When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Okay, back here, Purple Daily from the Minnesota State Fair. If you missed any of our first hour, we broke the news that Josh Doxson is coming to the Minnesota Vikings, former Washington wide receiver. A bust himself, but maybe he can fill in and be the number three receiver. He has better stats than Treadwell. It's a low bar. That's kind of where we're at right now. Um, So joining us on the phone now to discuss his very, very good piece on SB Nation about why Matt Ryan is so underappreciated is Charles McDonald. What's up, Charles? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, sure thing, man. Um, So when this popped up, I immediately favored it. It was a couple weeks ago, and I knew that I wanted to have you on as the Vikings were getting ready to play uh, against Matt Ryan. I'll tell you, now, you watch all the Falcons games. I watch what I can, basically, when I'm not covering the Vikings. But uh, I was amazed by some of the advanced numbers that you had in here about Matt Ryan that really paints him as one of the truly elite quarterbacks over the last decade or so. And I'm not sure that that has been um, the perception of him, Charles. So So why is there this gap here between not talking about Ryan as one of those elite quarterbacks and the numbers that say that he is? You know, I think it's just part of the, like, the aesthetics of watching him play where, you know, he doesn't have, like, this giant arm and he's not this guy who's going to, you know, make a throw, like, 70 yards down the field on the run. But uh, his game is, like, like, almost consistent in a boring way where – especially over the last, like, you know, four years, like since the 2015 season kicked off, uh, you know, he, he just hasn't really made that many mistakes with the ball. And even if you go back to his 2017 season and he had, uh, like, 12 interceptions that, that year, but even uh, if you look like football outsiders charting, like five of them were his fault or something like that, where it was like he had some of the worst interception luck in NFL history for that 2017 season. I mean, it's just a very consistent – manner of style. I mean, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's very accurate with the football pretty much every level of the field. And uh, it's just kind of boring because he doesn't have one signature trait that blows you away. As you you went through and and looked at his stats as well, was there any one thing that even surprised you that that he does well that doesn't necessarily uh, jump off the tape as we're watching it, but but when you look and uh, crunch the statistics and numbers that he does? You know, it's funny that if you just look at this uh, stat called adjusted yards per attempt, uh, that kind of weighs touchdowns and interceptions and converts that into yards and gives you, like, one clean, uh, I guess, yards per attempt number. 
he's the number one quarterback in the league over the past uh, four years, and that includes guys like, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Like, he's top in that category, which I thought was just kind of amazing. It, it just kind of goes to show that I think Matt Ryan is like the poster boy of, like, you don't need to have these physical traits to make big plays in the NFL, and that's something that he consistently does, whether you look at, you know, uh, estimated points added, success rate, like he's near the top, especially over the last four years. And, you know, that includes uh, his MVP year in 2016. I mean, he's just very consistent. He just keeps the Falcons offense above schedule. And, you know, obviously it helps having guys like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu as your receivers. But, you know, they, they've dealt with a lot of offensive line turnover in that span too. And last year their offensive line was, you know, bad enough to the point where they spent two off two first round picks in the offensive line and he still put up, you know, fantastic numbers last season too. So, you know, it, it's just kind of this thing where I don't know how much people pay attention to the Falcons. As someone who watches them, I wish I paid less attention to them. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> you know, he's he, like a Vikings fan. A fantastic yeah. You know, we're kind of in the same boat uh, where uh, we just have these insane blunders that keep us from getting to where we know that we should be. Except you won in 98, Minnesota didn't, and that's where the boats go in very different paths. At least you got there. Yeah, and we got there in 2016, and we all know what happened uh, in that game. <laughs> yeah, that kind of negates <laughs> it, right? Like, they lost both and then blew the uh, lead of 28-3. to I'm sure, Charles, you remember that number okay. <laughs> um, but, 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 like, that negates Super Bowl appearances, though, if you have a massive blunder where you give it up uh, to Tom Brady. Well, that's part of it that you write about in this article, Charles, and I think is very fascinating is when you have a quarterback who has not won a Super Bowl but then additionally has had moments in the playoffs where his team melts down, not even necessarily him playing horribly or anything, but just where the Falcons didn't get it done and botch that giant lead in the Super Bowl. I think that all plays into it. If he had a Super Bowl win, I think there would be Eli Manning effect of like now he's talked about as an elite quarterback or Joe Flacco for a few years where we debated it. I, I think he would be looked at totally differently if he just had won that Super Bowl. Oh yeah, so do I for sure. And you know what's frustrating? Like if you just look at playoff stats like since two thousand eight when when Ryan entered the league I mean, he has his reputation of being a choker in the playoffs. When you look at his stats, he's, like, easily one of the best quarterbacks in the league when it comes to playoff performances. I mean, even if you just don't even look at that 2016 season where he, they lit up the Packers and the Patriots and the Seahawks in the, uh, in, on offense, at least, even if you go back to that game against the 49ers, the game against the Seahawks that season uh, where they ended up losing in the NFC Championship game, I mean, he's just stellar. And you have these moments where – uh, it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. I mean, if you go back to that 49ers game uh, where they played against Colin Kaepernick and Frank Gore kind of went crazy against their defense in the second half, there's a play where Harry Douglas is you know, wide open by himself running with the ball. He could score the game when he touched down, and the dude just, like, trips and falls and gets tagged down. And, you know, <laughs> they like, are a lot like that. that. I was going to say, this crazy. sounds really familiar. <laughs> Keep going. Right. right like, how's it even happen? And, and in the same game, you get to that fourth down play where Roddy White has a chance to catch that pass for a first down. He gets mugged by Navarro Bowman, and they don't call a pass interference penalty or an illegal contact penalty. I mean, it's just crazy. Where And then you come back to 2016, you know what happens, where I think we can all agree that the offense kind of did their job in that game. And you get to a 28-3 lead. You're up 28-9 with nine minutes left in the game. I don't know, defense, like I think we should be able to expect you to do a little bit something there. And then in 2017, uh, you know, they beat the Rams. They shut down that offense. They play against the Eagles, and I don't know if you guys remember this play, but right before halftime, there's a play where Nick Foles threw a complete duck in the air 
right to Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal, for some reason, tries to jump in the air. The ball bounces off his knee right into the hands of Torrey Smith, yes. who runs yes. in the field goal range, and they end up losing that game by, like, two points. Yeah, uh, and even, and even so. then, Julio <laughs> mistimes the jump, like, in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. at, at the end of the game, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that play where, you know, Matt Ryan threw a legit perfect pass through the end of the, the corner of the end zone. After Julio falls down, like, he buys time, throws a dime, and he just lost in the lights that goes right through his hands. I mean, the dude just cannot catch a break when it comes to the playoffs, even though, you know, I, I think he's one of the best player performance, playoff quarterbacks that we've had since he's entered the league, and especially since, like, that 2012 season. But, Charles, at, at least take heart in, in the fact that your team went into Philadelphia and kept it close in the playoffs. <laughs> so you, you lost the heartbreaker. That Vikings game, if you, you recall the Vikings scored the first touchdown in that game, and after that, it was a, just a complete whitewash. So the Vikings, basically by halftime of the uh, conference title game, had no chance. At least your club felt like throughout the entire course of that game, it had a chance. Yeah, you know, I was, I was, uh, I remember I was watching that game with, uh, you know, some you guys are familiar with, uh, Arif Hassan at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and just watching him and Luke Inman, I think we were watching the game with, just get crushed like quarter after quarter. I was like, yeah, you know, these, uh, these teams, the Falcons and the Vikings, they're kind of similar. And, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about just the fan implication of whatever happens on Sunday where no matter who loses that game, that fan base is going to be, oh, my God, here we go again. Because <laughs> yeah. it, they really are kind of like mirror franchises, especially over the past decade or so. Talking with uh, Charles McDonald of SB Nation, wrote a great piece. Go find it about how uh, Matt Ryan is underappreciated. It's, uh, it's interesting stuff. Now, Charles, I- I'm curious about this current version of the Falcons. There's uh, Dirk Cutter is in the mix, maybe a better name than he is an offensive mind. I'm not sure, uh, but he can't be worse than Steve Sarkeesian, right? Like, uh, So uh, what's the general feeling of where this team is at in its trajectory? Because, again, I see a lot of similarities of a team that is kind kind of on its last legs trying to get it done, but still has a very legitimate chance of being a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, you know, Derek Cotter, I didn't get excited about that one, really. Uh, and, you know, honestly, by the end of the season, I thought that Stark had got into a nice little place with the offense, or at least, you know, for most of that season, I, I was pretty pleased with the offensive output. They just suffered so many injuries on defense that they kind of struggled to compete later in the season and, you know, just misfortune situations like that. The Thanksgiving game against the, the Saints, I mean, they dropped so many passes and fumbled the ball so many times. I mean, it's just like peak stupid Falcons football, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't really... <laughs> you see, I love this team so much. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't really, you know, moved either way by the Cotter hire. My philosophy on the offense has been this, like, unless you're going to get, uh, like, a Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay type of guy to run the offense... I really do think there's a floor on how bad it can be just with the talent that they have. Like, my, the only concern I have is that they don't just kind of get too in their own way and try to run the ball too much. Cause I know that was a big thing for Dan Quinn this offseason. Uh, you know, we need to stop the run and run the ball, but oh, you, you know, you got, you got Matt Ryan and uh, Julio Jones Siri. and Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu and Austin Hooper, you know, maybe throwing the ball 40 times, 40 times a game isn't the worst idea. Uh, but, you know, th- that's really the only thing I can see that really stops them from getting their own way is that they just decide to be cavemen and run the ball too much. But other than that, meh, kind of meh on the Dirk Cotter hire. 
Okay, so you you just get, gave us a play-by-play of what the head coach in Atlanta said, and it's basically the play-by-play of what the Vikings head coach has said. So, so can both of you? This is almost creepy. Can, can both of you, great football minds, explain to me what the philosophy of sort of old-school defensive coordinators who become coaches, why they are obsessed with trying to run the football? Because it certainly seems to be the uh, the theory of their life is we got to run more. I got nothing, Charles. Go ahead. You can try. I don't know. I mean, I guess because, you know, when you're in practice, you're you're getting ready for the season and training camp, but you're building these, uh, I guess, practice plans or whatever. You're always – your first thing as a defense guy is you want to be able to stop the run. And in 2019, I think we have enough math proof and visual proof that that's a little bit of an outdated approach. But, you know, the coaching tree hasn't really caught up to that level of math yet, I guess. So these guys get into – their old uh, experience and that experience says we need to stop the run. And obviously if we need to stop the run, what else do we need to be able to do on offense? We need to be able to run the ball. So that's where these guys kind of get stuck in their own ways. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't lead to a situation where uh, they end up losing their jobs at the end of the season. All right, Charles. Well, last thing for you. How are you looking at this uh, Viking season? I mean, uh, Courtney Cronin of ESPN went all in with an 11-5 and prediction for this Vikings team and an NFC North championship. What are you thinking? You know, I, I think that's possible. Uh, I kind of like the Packers in the North this year. I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like they took a lot of strides on defense and Aaron Rodgers. Was, I don't know. I, I just feel kind of like the Packers in uh in the NFC North, but, you know, I think that Vikings offense is going to take a step forward. And I've heard you guys mention uh, right before I came on that they had signed Josh Sox. And, and, you know, I was at Washington camp for, you know, about a week this year. And uh, Doxon looked pretty good. I think he's a pretty big upgrade over Laquan Treadwell, even if uh, Doxon is a bust himself. I mean, the production between the two is comparable. And Doxon's production is disappointing, so that kind of tells you, everything you need to know about where Treadwell was as a player. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that getting him in the fold as your number three receiver is pretty big. And uh, getting Dalvin Cook back for hopefully what he can put together a 16-game healthy season. I mean, I, I think the offense is ready to take a step forward. The defense is going to be good, too. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised with 11-5 at all just because I think that the offense has a little – they have a higher level than what they showed last year, especially in the passing game where it's a little bit inconsistent. Uh, but, you know – it's just got to come together, especially in the offensive line. All right, Charles, great stuff. Go read the article. It's called Matt Ryan is the NFL's most underappreciated quarterback. That is at SB Nation, where Charles does great work. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks for having me. Has the uh, best Twitter handle of all time, at 4Verts, is Charles McDonald's Twitter handle. So Ooh, that's, it's a good that's one. That's pretty good. Uh, all right, well, Charles mentioned it. We'll just circle back to the Josh Doxson signing for the Vikings. Uh, it, uh, what he said, I think, was perfect. Yeah. That it's even though it's a guy who Washington wasn't happy enough to keep around, it's still someone who has produced much more than Laquan Treadwell, and maybe he never became what he was supposed to become. And I'm sure there are shortcomings in his game all over the place, but at least he has a highlight reel. Well, at least he's gone up and caught and, some balls. At least he has some touchdowns. At least there's something to the guy. And just some caution too, because the, the Vikings seem to make this move. Around this time of year, a lot. Yep. Uh, I got names for you, Michael Floyd. Yeah. George Iloka. All oh, these guys are so Tremaine Brock. Tremaine. Yeah. So let's. Yeah. So also let's all take a deep breath and and assume that nothing is assured, and that there's if 
you look at recent history of the Vikings, there's just as good a chance that Josh Jackson's going to do nothing as he does a little something. So I would bet on a little something, but not a ton, especially right away. I mean, you have Chad Beebe and B.C. Johnson who have been here through the entire training camp, and of course they're going to get on the field before their new receiver, Josh Doxson, who's been in training camp with someone else, but at least he has familiarity with the quarterback, and if he can just do a couple of things well. I mean, what they were talking about with Irv Smith, and I mean one or two things well at this point would be an improvement. With Irv Smith bringing him along and looking for what concepts he was comfortable with to be able to put him out in the field in those situations. Aldrick Robinson was a deep wide receiver. They hit him on a couple of deep passes. If that happens... That will be an upgrade on the value that they got for Laquan Treadwell or what Treadwell would have brought them this year. I got a question for you. And, and I, I ask this I ask this with no preconceived notions of the answer. Analytically, to the football people who know what they're talking about, is running the ball the equivalent to the bunt in baseball? I don't think quite. But, I mean, is it, it, it? there seems to be a similar yeah, feel. Because there might be times to still bunt. I don't know. And I and to me, I don't, I don't care that, that much to get in heated debates about it. But it seems to me like there's the old school of baseball. you got to bunt them over. And the old school of football, you got to run the ball. Sure. And then there's the people saying, actually, you don't really have to do it nearly as much as you thought. Well, the way I look at running is that there are a lot more justifiable situations to run the football than there are to bunt. Sure. Where, that's yeah, yeah. That's I, I'm just saying as far as a feeling. Sure, for those, yeah. for those who know what they're talking about, new age, and those who just are old school. When we talk about things going the way of the dinosaur, we talk about bunting, the mid-range jumper, yes. and the uh, handoff out of the I formation, right? And of course, yeah, right. The, those things are definitely going downhill, but there are. A few things. I mean, one, you're giving the ball to somebody who's probably really dynamic and has a chance to break a big play. You are giving your quarterback a mental rest when you can get five, six, seven yards, when you can succeed in the running game. Then that quarterback can take plays off, essentially, just handing it off and not having to do anything. I think that there's significant value to that. I think there's huge value on third downs to be able to run when it's third and one, third and two, and get first downs. Your chances are actually higher when you run on third and one than if you pass on third and one. And if you're up in the fourth quarter by seven points and you get the ball and you can run for first downs, game over. The Patriots kept LeGarrette Blunt on their team for years because the guy would just pound into people and by the fourth quarter they would be able to, to, to do that. And then the play action pass. Well, that's a different. Yes, that's if that's you different though to if me. If you never run, then you can't run yes. play action passes, and most the, quarterbacks are worse when they're not uh, doing play action. I contend that the threat of the run with play action remains remains a very yes, big deal. Absolutely. So I think that there's a lot of reasons why you won't ever see an offense go away from it entirely, but you will see it only be about thirty to thirty five percent of plays, which is kind of where the NFL is approaching. Uh, Let's take a break. We'll come right back. We'll continue to discuss the Josh Doxson signing by the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, i got a couple of questions to run by you, Judd. So we'll come right back here. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Okay, we are back here. Purple Daily show from the Minnesota State Fair. One last day and a beautiful, incredible day out here. The nicest weather day, I think, of the entire fair so far, Judd. 
And uh, talking about the Vikings, we are at week one. They've made a move to get Josh Doxson, the wide receiver from Washington, who was released. And uh, just circling back a little bit to the cutdown day, Judd, um, the running backs, they decided to keep five. And we were just talking about running and running backs. And Sage Roosevelt's brought something up that I wanted to circle back on early in the show. If you missed it, go download it on iTunes, leave a five-star review, do all that stuff. Um, he mentioned that rotations with the running backs are the right way to go in his mind. That you get a couple of guys who are just good, who do something really well, and you try to use them situationally. Would you rather see the Vikings mix in Alexander Madison, Mike Boone, possibly Amir Abdullah? I'm not sure how much no. longer he's here for. No, I think he uh, might return punch yeah. or get cut. Uh, yeah, I think there's a chance he gets cut. So let's just say that Alexander Madison, who impressed. Yep. Mike Boone, who was very good in training camp and in preseason. Play special teams. And yes. clearly has a skill with the ball in his hands. He's very explosive, athletic, fast. That's why they picked him up two years ago as an undrafted free agent. Would you rather see those guys mix in at different roles, or would you rather see Delvin Cook just run into the ground, and if he dies, he dies? (laughs) I think in today's game I would prefer to see, and believe me, I want to see Delvin Cook play 16 games, and I want to see him be used extensively, and I think if he does, he's going to play very well and can make a difference. But what Sage is saying makes perfect sense. And the sport I'll tie it to, in fact, I think it's a perfect parallel. Goaltenders in hockey. The old thing, right? Got to ride my guy. He's going to play 70 games. Got to ride my guy. But what do the more successful teams do now? They, they split it way more. And so I think for the purposes of trying to keep Delvin as healthy as possible, I would like to see them, them have a rotation of sorts. That does not mean that Cook is not atop my depth chart, Matthew, because yep. he is. So I'm not trying to say I want to see everybody get the ball. Uh, but I think in 2005, you would have said, bleep it. Delvin Cook, if, if he makes it, he makes it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But he's going to play a lot. Uh, I think that that thought process has changed. And so if Madison and Boone can be used now in a role, I'm all for it. So let's say that they have 400 touches to go around at, out of the backfield between passes to running backs and handoffs. How would you distribute them then to have this rotation. Well, can Boone, how, how good a pass protector is Boone? Uh, I don't think he's a very good pass protector. Because this is where I he, get concerned. But he is a good pass catcher. He played uh, wide receiver in high school. Because, I mean, if, if he can get, let's say he catches, I don't know, take your pick, 25 balls or something, like 20 balls, 20 passes. That's fair. You know, Cook Cook is going to get the majority of the snaps, and he should. But if, if you can incorporate Madison into the Latavius Murray role, uh, probably not as extensive because my guess is in pass protection he's going to struggle more because mm-hmm. the thing about Murray was he was a pro's pro. Oh yeah, there was nothing. Yep. It, he might not be dynamic, but you never had to say, "Oh, he's in the game." Uh, Madison might be more of a learning curve, but yeah, if I could get Boone, okay, fifteen to twenty catches. If Madison can catch, I don't know, ten to fifteen balls, and he's my number two back as far as carries go. But I just don't think I don't think the solution of saying, well, Dalvin, you're just going to play until you drop is necessarily the greatest move in 2019. So would you say 300 touches, handoffs and catches for Cook and then another 100 distributed amongst the other two guys? That'd probably be fair, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably right. 
Here's the case for just giving it to Delvin Cook all the time, and what happens happens, is the running backs are, are very much expendable. I wouldn't even be surprised if Madison is a guy who they ultimately turn things over to because they can't afford to keep Delvin Cook, um, especially if they want to sign Kirk Cousins to an extension at some point. We're going quite a ways down the road here. Yes, you are. But when you look at just where this team is at, if you were the Miami Dolphins and you had a running back that you were like really high on, you said, oh, we want this guy for the future, you would be limiting that player's carries, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because you're thinking well, two, three years from now. And that's a great conversation because they are doing something hardcore that I, I think they're the first team to go hardcore. Well, the Cleveland, though. And try, no, but they, the, Cleveland was just completely incompetent i thought no cleveland started like they like were trying up draft picks they were up. trying some things but anyway so yes if you if you are the dolphins and clearly your, your focus is on let's say 2021 you're not going to drive the guy into the ground in 2019 i think that you're right. miami's is the most obvious and egregious that's what i'm saying is you're doing yeah. it like on cut down day you're basically giving away players for picks which by which might work eventually it's just now that's an aggressive form of dumping. Yeah, this is one that you would only see in hockey, and then baseball came along and started to do it. This is what Baltimore Baltimore is doing it yeah. actively right now. Yeah, where the Orioles, you, where you are just an, an offense to the game. Yes, like where you are offensive to watch. And Brian Flores, and, their, their coach, keeps saying, "I would never disrespect the game while completely disrespecting the game." Okay, let me finish if up. Well, let me finish up the point, and then let's talk about that. Okay, the point with Delvin Cook is just. The Vikings are not in that position where they need to save him. It should be he runs and catches the ball as much as you possibly can, and if the guy gets hurt or drops dead, then oh well, because he's a running back. And that's just the way you have to look at it when you're a team where the general manager and coach could be fired if you don't live up to expectations. tell you my my thought, though, there, is I want to keep him on the field for 16 games this year. Right, yes. So that's where where I'm not going to burn him out in – Six games. Well, and that's where I would say I'm, I'm 300, 300 after, plus. After that, right. But I'm trying to be as smart as possible, not because I'm concerned about Dalvin Cook in 2020. I'm saying this as far as what can I do to keep him on. Because if he goes down, now I've got to redo things in a way I don't want to have to do. And find ways to be smart of when you're going to take him out. If you're up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, then run Alexander Madison or whatever, yeah. right? Like, don't overuse Delvin Cook in situations where you don't need him. Which, now, which, is, what, which is why Abdullah is not getting near the field because I don't trust him not to fumble the ball. Okay, so back to this tanking thing yeah. with the Dolphins. I go two ways with this. There's one way where I say, look, if you are in pro sports and you're losing on purpose, you are gross. People are paying for these things, and I was there in Buffalo, New York, where I saw one of the most despicable and egregious and disgusting tanks that you could ever dream up to get Jack Eichel. It was it was preposterous, the things that they did. I mean, they put Zenin Kanopka, who Wild fans would know, on the power play. Good face On that. the power play, Judd. A guy who scored like six career goals is on the power play because you're trying to lose on purpose. And it was horrible. And anyone who paid for it should have gotten all of their money back with an apology. At the same time, they got Jack Eichel. He's great. I'm sure they're going to win. And Rasmus Dahlin. I'm sure they're going to win at some point. The Pittsburgh Penguins tanked for Mario Lemieux back in the day. Houston tanked for Correa and for Bregman and for yada, yada, yada. And the guy and it works. in charge of Baltimore it, now was an assistant in Houston and it, saw this work. And they stripped the payroll down to what? It, 
It was like it, six, almost nothing. Yeah, twenty five million or it, something. It works and it works. Correct. And it works throughout history. Yep. And one of the only teams to have it not work so far is the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I don't even know if they tanked on purpose. It's got to be competent but, tanking. But regardless, uh, tanking in sports is a thing that clearly works. And whether Cleveland did it on purpose or not, they're in a position now to win because they lost all those games and drafted number one, and they got the quarterback who changed their franchise. So if I were running the Miami Dolphins, I would say do it this year, do it next year. If you go 0-32, then great, we're getting Trevor freaking Lawrence because he is a generational talent at quarterback. He's the next Luck. He's the next Manning. We are getting him no matter what. But I understand if you're one of the people who's there where you're like, well, what do I do now? My team's trying to lose on purpose. Sometimes I think that you have to accept that um, uh, gross, hard-to-palate things are going to occur that, for the long term, will pay off. Yep. So you're right. Watching what they're doing right now, the Dolphins, is really like, are you serious? And, and then for the coach to come out and say, I would never disrespect the game. Okay, you're protesting too much because you know exactly yeah. what. And it might not. It doesn't matter what he does anyway. Him, and it's probably not him. It's the people above him saying. He could be Vince Lombardi. They're going to lose two games. Let's lose. All right, I have, two, I have two thoughts here to run past you. One is, is this because you're right. This is the most egregious form of football tanking we've seen. One is, in football, does it work? And two is, if it does work, is this the next draft where you've got, got to look at the draft process and be like, we can't actively have teams because what? They, they in baseball, I think, are the only leagues left that we follow on, uh, among men's professional leagues where if you're the worst, you get that first pick. Does the league have to say, okay, we can't have teams taking that as the template? Because the Miami Dolphins you know, are trying to put together 16 games that are going to make their fan base want to throw up. Uh, I think that the leagues that have gone out of their way to put in lotteries have done themselves an extreme disservice, and here's why. You have teams, we were talking about this a couple of years ago with the Timberwolves. Wouldn't it be better if they didn't make the playoffs? I mean, you have teams where it's actually better if they don't make the playoffs. So if you had a team, let's say a team is... I've got a team for, for you this year. Well, the Minnesota Wild. Well, exactly. I mean, right? If I mean, you could get yourself some odds, yep. then it's better if you miss the postseason and fall out of that on purpose. Yes. <laughs> because you know in basketball, everybody knew they weren't going to beat the Warriors and the Rockets. So teams who were getting into the bottom of the playoffs was like, I don't know if we really want to be here. I mean, the, the Clippers were a team that tried to sell at the deadline. They gave away Tobias Harris, and they made the playoffs as like, I guess this is okay, and then they lost, and that's it. Uh, when you have so many teams who can get into that mix who would prefer to miss the playoffs, who actually could try to make it, I think that is way worse than a couple of teams trying to get to number one, two, and three pick because almost any team that's not going to be there is going to try and win. So if you had a team that, say, started the season four and six or something, that four and six team is saying, hey, we get a few things together. We can go 9-7. and seven. We can make the playoffs. We're going to keep trying. If you went 4-6 and six and there was a lottery, yeah, we're not the 1-15 team, but we got a better chance if we lose the rest of the way out. The Texans last year, 0-4, right? Yeah, and they made the playoffs. Right. right. But, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. They, they could have said, boy, we're 0-4. We're not as good. And Deshaun Watson's yep. coming off an ACL. Wouldn't it by, be great to get him a, a threat if we, you know, won the lottery? It's very clear that by trying to stop tanking, all the, team, all the leagues who have gone to lotteries have increased tanking. But now it's tanking from 8 to 9. 
And and then right. and the other thing too is you didn't stop any basketball team from being horrific. There were a dozen teams or so somewhere in that ballpark who wanted to lose on purpose. And then in baseball, how many teams do we have doing it this year? There's at least four or five. I mean. I look at, at hockey, too. I mean, you, you're getting teams that are selling at the deadline instead of buying to make the playoffs. So I, I'm not for a lottery system at all. I think if the Dolphins go through hell to get the first pick and they kill Ryan Fitzpatrick because he has no left tackle, did you see who they're considering at left tackle? Yes. Danny Isadora. Well, they traded Tunsil. never played tackle. They traded Tunsil to Houston. So now, now the oh my gosh, Matt Khalil is going to play left tackle yeah, he's for not. the Texans. The question is answered. He's not. He's they not. weren't that crazy. Yep. Uh, but yes, they, so they're considering a guy who hasn't played left tackle. And, and you know who I feel bad for? I don't know what he did wrong in this life or a previous life. Josh Rosen. Yeah, I know. No, I mean, you don't. I know. Now, I know he's a cocky kid. He's had a bl- different offensive coordinator every but, year of his career, even in college. But he's. I mean, but look at what he's been put into. Arizona was a complete, and we saw that, that team at U.S. Bank Stadium last truck year. Truck fire. A complete truck fire, and now he's gone to a place that, that makes the truck fire of the Cardinals last year look palatable. And he, This is way worse. And he made some throws in the game against the Vikings where you went like, oh, okay, you could see the arm talent there and stuff. But he, no one's ever going to succeed in that type of situation. You know who he might end up being like is having like a Vinny Testaverde career where the beginning of it is so abysmal. You're like, this guy is just a bust and it's never going to work out. And then somewhere in his career, somebody picks him up and he ends up playing on a good team yeah, and, they, and they succeed. I, I hope that he doesn't play. I hope that Fitzpatrick stays healthy. He doesn't play the whole year. They draft Tua number one. I will put a wager with you right now that Ryan, poor Ryan Fitzpatrick is hurt oh, by he's week get four. Hurt. Yeah, they there's have no, no offensive line. If Danny yep. Isidore is playing left tackle, you, yeah. you know what's going to happen? Yeah, he's going to get hurt. Yep. It's yeah, and that's the thing. So for Rosen, he's going to go in. He's going to look bad again. Then everyone's going to decide he's a backup. And he's not going to get another chance as a starter because teams draft their other starters. And then the guy is just stuck as a backup and called a bust when there was nothing he could really do about it. Which is why I think if you were a smart, enterprising team, you would keep close tabs on that guy and try and get him for dirt cheap in a couple of years and say, you got a chance to start here. Well, if you have an older quarterback or a quarterback, say, under contract for just two more years, uh-huh. I'm not pointing to anybody in particular. But, uh, you know, I mean, even if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you've got to be thinking, when can we get out from under Andy Dalton? And they're going to be drafting high for years. And you should be looking at any option like that to give that a shot to go along with potentially a draft pick. When, when is, is Lawrence coming out? When's his... It's not this year. It's next year. Oh, boy, would I be... I know. They're, they're, that, that's the one. I would be tanking for two years to get him, I not w- just one. I watched that kid play. He's unbelievable. And there's just something, there's something there. Yep. And it's, to me, undeniable. If he is not a generationally great QB... I will be very surprised. Something would have to go really wrong. There's very few guys. Luck, Manning, and Lawrence yep. are the only guys I could think of where it was lock dead. This guy has every single skill you could dream of. Yeah, so. Pey- and Peyton, when he came out, you thought that but weren't as sure. Luck, luck I thought for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luck, I've, I've always said when the Vikings won that stupid Christmas Eve game in Washington and the Carolina game that I think Graham Gano shanked uh, uh, what would have won the game for the Panthers in Carolina. The Vikings, if you could have gone... 1-15, and 15, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. Let's take a break. Let's wrap up the show here. I want to tell you quickly about the best gig in sports is in football, and I want to tell you, you about got that it? next. Uh, well, one of them, one of them, but I'm not paid as much as the guy that I'm going to talk about briefly. And then back to the Vikings. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. 
342 here at Score North on this absolutely gorgeous final day of the State Fair. We are here out till 6 p.m. tonight. Mackie and Judd with Rami closing out our run at the State Fair here at our booth off Chamber Street on the left edge of the Grandstand. You can check out our merchandise booth open until 9 p.m. tonight. Show us your Score North mobile app and you'll receive a $5 t-shirt there. Also, we're donating all proceeds from the All Arise t-shirts to Luis Arise's favorite charity, the Ronald McDonald House. Again, that's at our merchandise booth here at our booth off Chamber Street on the left edge of the Grandstand. We'll be out here till 6 p.m. tonight, closing it up with Mackie and Judd with Rami. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the State Fair run of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. And, oh, it has been a good run for me eating lots of stuff. I had chicken on a stick with fried rice today, and I got myself a little ice cream cone. I love fried rice, by the way. Oh, it's great. I love. It's it's fantastic. Don's like, why do you like rice so much? I said, I love rice. Rice might be... My favorite food. So they give you this stick, and it's just got all giant gobs of chicken, and then it's in fried rice. It's just wonderful. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll show you where it is. I straight. tried it. And uh, we got the pork shop next to us. we got the cookies, uh, ice cream around the corner. It's been a great week, and I've had to go home and jog uh, every day just to, you know. You're Cunningham, sure man. You're both too thin for how you eat, <laughs> for, Espe- oh, especially no, Cunningham. I, I know, and I and I try, and I I put a lot of effort into making sure that it stays that way, like at just jogging and playing basketball every day, and like just give I, up. I can't let it get out of control. Uh, let me tell you, Judd, about the best job in sports, not just football, all sports. It is backup quarterback because. Brian Hoyer was let go by the New England Patriots. They've got a young quarterback that they like there that they want to stick with and maybe develop as their backup. And Brady doesn't need a whole lot of help, right? No, he does So they let go. Nor does he want a whole lot of help. They let go Brian Hoyer. Uh Uh-huh. And he immediately signs a new contract. And, of course, you're thinking, this is a backup journeyman quarterback. I mean, he must have got 500000 bucks, right? No, no. $9 $9 million guaranteed over three years for Brian Hoyer to sign with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, this comes on uh, the heels of Josh McCown returning as the backup quarterback for Philadelphia, and McCown flies home on Fridays to coach his high school football team and then flies back to be the backup quarterback for the Eagles. There's no better gig in the history of sports than a high-paying, multimillion-dollar gig that you can just, like, go home if you want. But what does it say to... Uh about how hard it is to find not just starters, and that's hard, right, but to find backups, too, in this league right now. How difficult, when you're paying a guy who Belichick just let go, $9 million, you said guaranteed, what does that say about the, the urgency that teams feel to fill starting role and backup roles? Or telling your guy McCowan, yeah, that's fine, you know what, if you need to go home, you can go home, and ultimately... It's the right call on both sides, but I just I find it to be so intriguing how difficult it is to fill those spots across the board. Didn't Gus or didn't Sage once say Gus had the agreement here that he could just go home after the games? Yes, Gus brought down to St. Louis. Yeah, Gus brought told he told me that that after games he would fly home and then come back on Wednesday. I think Wednesday morning, and until he had because they had had two days off. And, and that does absolutely tell you how valuable that position is seen by teams because they know 
that if the starting quarterback goes down, you better have somebody who might be able to win you one out of two or two out of four. And not embarrass you. And Flat out not embarrass you. Not embarrass you. you and who can help you throughout the season with your scout team yep. and in the room. I mean, this is why our friend Sage Rosenfels had a long NFL career is because if you've heard Sage talk on our show, he is smart as hell. And, I mean, that, that's, that helps him a lot. It, it, he can break down any defense. He can play any scout team quarterback. And if he had to go in, he won exactly half of his but games, al- which is what you're looking for. But it's also guys who learn to and know, especially the backups, accept their role. Yes, absolutely. Because you know as well as I do that part of the reason that Kyle Sloter is now w- with the Cardinals and was cut to the surprise of many is because he overstepped the role. Yep. He talked too much. He decided that he was important when, when it was based on, and teams, listen, Preseason games are nice to watch. I get all that. Like, it helps you put stuff on film. But that's not how teams gauge everything or close. If Kyle Sloter had just been a good soldier and pretty much kept his mouth shut, there's a fighting chance he, he maintains a spot on the 53. But he didn't. And that's the key thing here is all of these guys, or a lot of them, know what their role is. And part of it is to be backup QB have suggestions when they're asked for, by the way. Yes, not when, when they're, they're not asked when for. When they're asked for. But the only. other thing is to provide moral support to the starter. Yep. And there's only how many people in this world can go into a National Football League building and know and provide the moral support that the starter needs. Mm-hmm. You know, Brady. Very few. Brady, okay, he does, he's fine. But, you know, it's clear from what Sage, Sage has said, and I believe this, that Brett Favre ne- needed at least some support. And Sage was savvy enough and smart yep. enough to provide that. And Doug Peterson was before. Exactly. And, and, this and, is, and I saw Doug, Doug do it, and you're not kidding. Like, Doug was a brother to Brett. And this is exactly why you see uh, Sage earlier in the show mention Jason Garrett. Like, why these guys become head coaches is usually they look for someone who's really smart and really savvy and understands people and can relate to people and everything else, and that just checks off all the boxes. So Hoyer has had this long career based on a handful of decent games where you could trust him to win every once in a while, but mostly what he provides that you don't necessarily see, and that does circle back to it's very tiresome to see people saying Sean Mannion isn't good at his job. I think Sean Mannion's really Really good at his job. I don't think Sean McVay was a fool to keep him around with Jared Goff, and I certainly don't think the Vikings made the wrong decision or anywhere close. But you have to get to know Sean Mannion to understand this. And people also don't get what that job is, right? Yeah. Like if you yeah. if you tomorrow if Kirk Cousins gets hurt and you say, "Hey, Sean, go go get him for sixteen games," it's probably too much. Yeah. But that job entails a lot of different things. Yep. And, and I'm serious when I say one thing is if Cousins gets hurt, you want the starting point of, will this guy embarrass us? Yeah. Yep. And he probably won't. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to be a Pro Bowl player. He probably won't be that good. But he's not going to embarrass you, and he can run your offense. Yep. And uh, Mannion also does have a good enough arm, and he performed totally fine in the preseason. People were acting like he was horrendous. That's just completely false. The one interception that he threw, the receiver stopped on the route. Is the receiver read it wrong. And Kirk Cousins even said after the game, I would have made the same read on that same exact play. That was the only pick he threw. So I don't understand where people were getting this idea that Mannion wasn't exactly perfect for the job. It, how, what's the huge difference between him and McCown and, and Brian Hoyer? Probably not much other than that the other guys have gotten a little more opportunity. But they, he would probably perform just about the same well, if given opportunity as those guys would. Part of the 
the problem here goes back to uh, 2017 now, too. And that's the fan observation of, well, Case Keenum was great. Okay, that's not the norm. No, no, no. Like not, the case, not at all. but but if you're a Vikings fan, now yeah. you're like, well, just go find the next case. Yeah, that's not that is that is so beyond the norm. And what was problematic too is that Case was not that great in practice in 2017 camp. However, he was an experienced NFL quarterback who had started games and won starting jobs before. It's not even remotely a comparable situation Correct. between someone who had a body of work and then struggled in some practices early on and then, of course, got better and stepped in and was able to do the job. So, anyway, I just wanted to point out that that is the best position in sports if you can win one of the Unless backup I have jobs. To play. Well, if Brian Hoyer has to play a little, but if you have to play a lot, then it's a nightmare. Because your right. team is probably going to lose, and you're going to be overmatched. And I'm older, and I might get hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, uh, but if I don't have to play, well, Sage said the greatest job in the world is the third guy. Because he's not going to play. Yeah, but most teams aren't keeping the third right. guy. Right, but if you can find a team that does, rod, yeah. that's the greatest job because you get paid a lot, and you know you're not going to play unless all hell breaks loose, in which case nothing would be expected of you. Okay, as we go now into that's all done with, and the roster will is mostly finalized now. Even the practice squad, thank goodness, is all uh, finalized now. they got ten guys. They brought back Davion Davis, the outstanding mini-camp receiver, uh, to the practice squad today. So that's all set. They even have another kicker. They signed Buffalo's backup kicker, McLaughlin, who nailed, I think, a 54-yarder in that preseason game. So the the practice squad set with Josh Doxson signing with the Vikings. It looks like uh, everything else set. They've got to cut one person. We'll see what they decide to do there. Um, But what are you thinking about uh, this week, Judd? I mean, I I think the Vikings should be absolutely thrilled with how preseason and training camp went because of the fact that nobody was writhing in pain on the TCO Performance Center field. I mean, mean, the only guy who got hurt was Aviant Collins, and they put him on the practice squad and everything's fine. He was never going to start to begin with. To come out of the preseason healthy, whatever confidence level you had, probably goes up because you almost assume, well, someone important will get hurt at some point, and they well, didn't. They have a healthy roster to go into the season. They do right now. I, I will offer these words of caution. Don't forget, Teddy got hurt, I believe, in the week before the game, right? Well, he got hurt or, on August 30th, so we already cleared week? the date. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're the Vikings, as bad as you bungled the whole kicker-punter thing, the, the fact that that was such a big storyline is actually good news. Because we weren't talking about the one thing I, I that I'm very curious about though, if we're going to come back to within a couple of weeks, Matthew is this the offensive line again? Because there wasn't a lot to see there. Yep. And, and Sage might be right. The zone blocking scheme might work out great if, if you can put the parts uh, together in, in the correct way. You could probably make up for the fact that there's going to be shortcomings there. But I still need to see that. And so I do. I do wonder. You know, if we had had a right guard competition, it would have been talked about and written about, but I don't think that's a bad thing. So, for the most part, I'm with you. Nobody got hurt. That's good. It was overall a pretty quiet training camp. I do go back to, was it too quiet in some places it shouldn't have been as quiet? Well, it 
That's just, my devil's just, advocate. It, right, of. it just being the Vikings, the fact that we haven't had anything implode outside of the kicking competition always suggests what's going to come for this season. Yeah, you don't but know. but I, I think if you drew it up at the very beginning of preseason and said, how would you like this to go? If you said, yeah, there's going to be one preseason game where Kirk doesn't look good, but aside from that, in practice on a daily basis, the offense was much more conducive and performing much better out there than they were last year with Kirk Cousins just arriving here that the Kubiak-Stefanski system looks much smarter and better designed for the quarterback, that the offensive line, the same five guys that practiced on the first day, practiced probably today, right? So, I mean, that there alone. Health-wise, yes. Last year, when they lost Nick Easton, that's just kind of how much they were teetering on the edge. How does the play play calling situation go do you think oh i think that uh what kevin stefanski is going to be doing is getting in his earpiece information from the other uh, guys on the coaching staff including gary kubiak and making decisions that way i think he's going to be kind of a reflection of the other guys on the coaching staff but that also is pretty common every once in a while in a playoff game there will be a big play and you'll hear an offensive coordinator the next week say, oh, yeah, that was Ted's suggestion up in the booth. He's been wanting to run that play forever. I think that happened when uh, Antoine Randall L threw the touchdown in the Super Bowl where it was like a wide receivers coach who had been saying, let's run this play with the receiver. So I think that's how it's going to work. Where it will, This will not be a story unless things go bad this week and then it starts to get pressure on, right? If... Let's say the offense doesn't look good this week. This is just how fast pressure comes about in the NFL. If you have a poor performance right away, then it's, all right, what's going on here? Now you got to go to Green Bay, and their defense is improved. Yep. So, so for right now, I feel like they're in a great spot with Stefanski and Kubiak, but that can change quick. So, all right, thanks for your time, Judd. Thank You're you, going to stick around. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. I have enjoyed all of my fair broadcasts. I've ate way too much food, and I'll be back in studio tomorrow. Alex Boone and Courtney Cronin tomorrow on the show. We will catch you then on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.